Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to L.A. Kings Road Talk Radio. of L.A. Kings Road Talk Radio uh, due to uh, the game running late and some other things. Uh, tonight we thought we'd do a little pregame episode. Hello once again. My name is Scott Cahill, a.k.a. The Hip Check. Loving our L.A. Kings. Not loving the uh, results as so far, but loving the gritty, gutty effort. And uh, back home for game three. This is probably the do-or-die game here for our L.A. Kings. Kings getting some players back, and uh, we ain't going anywhere. And uh, here to help me talk some L.A. Kings hockey, Cali Sports NHL editor, Mr. Jeff Duarte. Hey, Jeff, how you doing, buddy? I'm just uh, getting ready for battle, hip check. I am getting uh, <laughs> my checklist here of all my superstitions in order. Uh, I've already started pacing back and forth, just getting ready for game three tonight between our Kings and the Golden Knights, and really just getting in a real foul mood, But which is good because – I fight better when I'm in a foul mood when it comes to these type of games because we're in the middle of an ice storm here in southern Ontario, Canada, and that puts me in a very, very angry, bad mood. And I'm still angry at George Perils and the NHL uh, Player Safety Committee for many reasons besides the Dowdy suspension, plus getting ready for the game tonight. I'm just ready to go. How are you, sir? <laughs> I am doing fine as well on this beautiful 80-degree uh, day in Southern California. It's uh, hockey weather, so I'm wearing shorts and my favorite L.A. Kings T-shirt. And uh, Augie texted me earlier. He's uh, doing his annual pregame tradition as well. He has already won a uh, Drew Doughty signed stick at the, uh, at the King, L.A. Kings game watch. So there you go. He's got his tradition. We have ours. But, uh, yes, uh I'll tell you, geez, I don't even know where to start, Jeff, other than uh, while the results aren't going to be there and Kings down 2 to nothing, it's a very different being down 2 nothing than I've ever seen. I mean, really, you lose that game one to nothing in the opener, a game that could have went either way. Uh, once again, you had the shorthanded Kings with not missing not one, not two, but three of their arguably top four, top five defensemen still uh, in that game, in that uh, longest overtime game in, in, in L.A. Kings history, and once again, kind of losing a heartbreaker there. But uh, really, it's one of those things, Jeff. Uh, 
it's it's pretty rare where a team's down two to no, you know, oh two in a playoff series, and you still are just kind of like, bring it on, you know. There's no there's no fear. They had uh, they were in both games basically. It's not like they were getting their ass kicked, and once again had a couple bad breaks go their way. <laughs> George Peros, <laughs> George Peros, but. Uh, that said, uh, tonight's pretty much the do or die, and uh, so much to talk about. I think I've just rambled on uh, pretty much uh, uh, Tourette's-laden uh, L.A. Kings uh, diatribe right there. But uh, what, were, what were your thoughts on what you see so far? Well, you're right when you say that. It isn't like the Kings you know, got their asses kicked. I mean, their butts were not handed to them at all by Vegas. Now, Vegas, of course, yes – did dominate in puck possession. Yes, they obviously dominated in shots and scoring chances, uh, no doubt about that. But when you're looking at scores of one nothing and then 2-1 to one in double overtime, the, you know, the Kings are one goal away from changing the complete um, anything of this series. Like, if just one of those goals just went in, uh, whether it was overtime, obviously the Kings would have won, or just before the game went to overtime uh, in the third period, that it would be a completely different series right now we'd be talking about before game three, and that's how close the Kings truly are. Now, there's certain things that are factored in won't be a factor in this game, at least in theory, because Drew Doughty is back from the one-game suspension. Of course, the Kings definitely could have used him in game two. And uh, first of all, in that game two, I want to say, Hip, I was really, really, really proud of our boys. Uh, They fought to the very bitter end of that game. They never gave up an itch. Jonathan Quick, of course, was outstanding. I thought Oscar Fattenberg was so good. Actually, I thought Hip, I thought Fattenberg was so good and because it was 2 o'clock in the morning by that point here, Eastern time, uh, in double overtime of that game, I'm not 100% sure I was hallucinated or not, but I was pretty much convinced that it wasn't Fattenberg on the ice, but Drew Doughty in disguise, trying to fool the NHL by pretending that he's Oscar Fattenberg and playing as outstanding as Oscar did that day. But the good news is Doughty is back. Kevin Gravel uh, won't be playing. He, of course, didn't take his van, which led to the winning goal by uh, Vegas in game two. But, you know, Gravel did the best that he could in his first ever career playoff game. But I'm so proud of all the boys. But Dowdy is back. And Jake Muzzin looks to be back. He hasn't played a game yet due to the injury that he suffered near the end of the season. And it looks like there's a reunion of that 70s line as Coach John Stevens has but Carter to Foley and Pearson back together to see if it can ignite some firepower from those guys. Because let's be honest, uh, even though the Kings are still staying in this, they have to score. And it doesn't matter if it's someone from the 70s line or the top line with Kobotar, Brown, and I follow, or someone in the bottom six or someone from the point, like we saw with Paul Ledoux in game two, they got to get that puck in the net. Because the way that things have been going so far in this series is you're not going to out-puck possess Vegas. You're going to have to push them to the boards, push them to the side, push them to the outer perimeter, because they're going to dominate in that sense, and they're going to have more scoring opportunities. So the Kings have to be able to counterpunch and be more opportunistic with their scoring. If there's an empty net, you got to put that puck in the net. They can't be any more near misses, or the Kings definitely don't want to go down uh, 0-3 against these Vegas Golden Knights. But you know what? The Kings are still in it. I'm ready to go, Hip. Can't you tell? I'm ready to go. Indeed, indeed. You got your uh, you got your normal uh, one one a.m. Eastern Standard Time vibe already going on. So you're well ahead of schedule. Hey, uh, 
One thing, a couple things you said there, uh, Gravel was definitely a rough outing for him, and it was funny because you and I and uh, Augie, we had talked about it our, our last show about with uh, the signing of Brickley, uh, with the emergence of Kale Clegg, uh, that, uh, you know, there's going to be guys on, on that D roster that are going to be going bye-bye. You know, there's just no ands, ifs, or buts, and uh, – we had all pretty much unanimously agreed Ledoux and Gravel were probably going to be those guys. And I tell you, uh, Gravel did not help his case. Uh, not only was he, once again, he on the ice for that overtime winner, but remember he was also on the ice on goal number one. So literally uh, he has that dubious distinction of really probably being the guy that was directly responsible or in- indirectly responsible for both those goals. So uh, on another defensive-related note, though, I said immediately following uh, game two, what we learned that was a very good thing was that Fantenberg and Martinez played excellent together. And, uh, you know, they were, they were, by all intents and purposes, they were our number one defensive pairing. And uh, you could not have asked for anything more. So now with Dowdy coming back, with Muzzin coming back, this is a beautiful thing because – now our third-pairing defense is now Fanouf and Folan. And, uh, you know, Folan, he's been playing super solid hockey. And we know that uh, Fanouf literally, uh, once again, did yeoman's work, did yeoman's work for a, uh, a grizzled vet with a lot of mileage on him. But, once again, much, much better suited uh, in that fifth and sixth slot for the defense. So when we look at the D-pair, that alone – I think is cause uh, for celebration. And you know what? Let's be honest too, uh, Jeff. When we look at the the Dowdy suspension and whatnot, sometimes it's stuff like that that can get a team to rally around each other. You know, really, if I was the coach, or and I'm sure St- St- Stevens probably doesn't want to go to the well too much, whatnot. But sometimes you could use that as a rallying cry, where hey, we haven't got the breaks, and we could argue that maybe the league is against us, the refs are against us. But are we going to let that stop us? You know, you can kind of give uh, that uh, Vince Lombardi-style speech there and use it to your advantage to try to rally the troops. So I'm with you. I'm fired up. I'm excited. I like, uh, I like really all the lines. And let's go ahead and break that down right now. And I do see we got some callers. As a matter of fact, let's go ahead and just uh, bring on Jerry from Ohio right now so he doesn't have to wait. Hey, Jerry, how you doing, buddy? Pretty good, pretty good. Good. Nice to hear from you. You was jacked up for the game as we are. Yeah, I'm hoping to. I'm hoping to see a much different game in LA. I hope we're not playing the uh, Knights game as much as I thought we were the the last two games. Uh, we've got to we've got to slow them down. We've got, we've got to bring that forecheck and slow them down and uh, be able to get some offense going. I mean, it was with yeah. with the guys that were out of the lineup the second game. It was just basically impossible for them to get the the puck out of the defensive zone. They played almost the whole third period in the defensive yeah. zone. And well, a lot I think of the it was too. Yeah, I think that was clear. Though to be fair, I mean that was clearly. Uh, you know, the, the Kings' game plan is they knew they were going to be under attack. Therefore, really a large part of their game plan was going to be try to counterpunch uh, their way to victory. And let's be honest, it almost worked. I mean, double overtime, yeah. one-to-one, and hell, Kopitar has that, uh, 
has that puck right on his stick in the scoring area right there. I mean, that game plan almost worked for that game. And uh, let's go ahead and break down uh, tonight's uh, lines, though, because once again, uh, everything that's old is new again. And uh, once again, as I look at the lines now, very, very makes us very, very comfortable. Uh, reuniting Iafalo Kopitar Brown as our first line. Uh, as we watched the last game, uh, I couldn't just help but think there was a lot of a lot of players that, uh, you know, just out of position. Uh, you know, once again, when we looked in overtime, Clifford was playing with uh, with Carter for a bit and actually set up right there in the slot before Vegas scored that game-winning goal. Set up right there in the slot. Carter gives him the beautiful pass. Clifford just couldn't get the shot he wanted, and uh, and once again, uh, now now Clifford's going to be moved moved back to a role that he's certainly more custom. And once again, you get Ayafalo with the comfort level of playing with Kopitar and Brown. And uh, Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, did Ayafalo play in Game One? Wow, Game One already feels like it was like ten years ago. Hip, to be honest with you. <laughs> Uh, like, wow, I really have to think about that right now. I, I do not remember off the top of my head. Not a problem. Jared, did not he play game one? So, I don't I did think so. so. Did I right? Okay. Fair he enough. was injured, wasn't I don't he? Think so. Yeah, I think he was still uh, out. Know, he was oh, still oh. out. Yeah, he was injured. Okay. Good, good. So that would be good. And, Jeff, to go to your point, it seems like 10 years ago, I know uh, – 50 years from now, they're going to say that it was Iafalo that uh, got the assist on Gary Shuchuk's uh, double overtime winner over the yep. Vancouver Canucks in uh, 1993. Yep. <laughs> it blurs together, right. yes. It blurs together. Indeed. I thought that was Jordan Nolan that got that. I thought that was <laughs> Nolan that got that. Yeah, that's right. No, it was Nolan who uh, assisted on Gretzky's goal 802. Remember that? It was uh, Obviously. Okay. Taylor, so yes. Nolan, over to McSorley and uh, back to Gretzky. <laughs> the original, number right. 71, of course, the legend. There you go. <laughs> Moving forward then, too, uh, we have the 70s line reunited. Carter to Foley Pearson. Once again, I like this move, mainly because if we don't get to Foley and Pearson going, we might be dead in the water. I mean, that's really, we need secondary scoring. We need some type of production out of those guys. And uh, as the uh, season went on, once again, Pearson, uh, definitely not with the numbers we like. I mean, we respect the work. He did a lot of work going to the front of the net, and hopefully we'll see that this game. I mean, uh, I I don't think the Kings have had really any consistent net front presence at all in this playoff series. So if Pearson can get to the front of the net, and uh, once again, Carter can maybe get to Foley going with that one-timer, I am elated at the return of the 70s line, and uh, I, I have high hopes for him. Uh, what, what say you, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, if Jeff Carter can't get to Foley and Pearson going, nobody can. And this is something that we've been talking about all season, because even though Tyler Toffoli was one of the top scorers for the Kings and he played the entire season, all 82 games, um, he had 24 goals, which is very good. It was a very quiet 24 goals. It wasn't a very dominant 24 goals. And with Jeff Carter being out due to injury for three quarters of the season the way he was, 
it, it got even more quieter for him. And we could all agree that Tanner Pearson, who also played an entire season of 82 games, that 15 goals and 40 points was uh, quite a disappointment. And he was someone who was uh, shuffled around the lineups from first, second, third line, just trying to see if he could get any chemistry with anyone. And it took the return of Jeff Carter before Pearson started waking up again. And now they're all back to sleep. So I'm hoping that this reunion of that 70s line does wake these kids up. It just seems to be Jeff Carter, or as uh, our good friend Emily likes to call him, Papa Bear, uh, just knows how to wake these kids up, how to motivate them, how to get them in position where they can create scoring opportunities, therefore score some goals. Because the, the the way I look at it is like this, Hip. Uh, if the Kings are going to be successful, not just against Vegas, to come back in this series and, and, and beat them and try to go on, and if they do go on to the next round, the next round, so on, to try to get a shot at the Stanley Cup again, you need guys like Toffoli and Pearson to step up. They're not rookies anymore. They have experience. They won the Cup as rookies back in 2014. That's already a few years ago. If I can't even remember game one like it was yesterday, I can barely remember 2014 at this point without really having to look it up because um, they're now in their prime. They, they've they been here before. They've done this before. They know the routine. They have to step up. You, the Kings cannot always rely on that original championship core. Of course, Kopitar, Brown, Dowdy, Carter, Martinez, those are the regular championship core that were back in 2012, that original cup. You know, obviously they are the core players, they are the leaders of this team, but it's time for the guys like the Tafos and the Pearsons who were there for the second one to step up and show that they can be leaders as well. We, it shouldn't take a Jeff Carter to wake these guys up. They should be able to wake themselves up or help wake up other players because, hey, I hate saying this, but, you know, let's be realistic. Jeff Carter's not going to be around forever. Andre Kopitar's not going to be around forever. Um, is Dowdy even staying with the Kings? I sure hope so. But you can't rely on these guys forever. It's time for the next generation to show that they are now the leaders of the team so the Adrian Kempes can look at them, so that the, uh, you know, Curtis McDermott or Paul Ledoux or Brickley's or whatever the case may be have people to look up to, you know, who Brzezinski's and Michael Amadio. So they have guys to look up to who aren't as you know, who are older, like the Copertars, the Browns, the Carters, but are a bit younger that they can relate to, but they've been there, they know what it takes to win, and they can teach the younger generation as well. So, yeah, to fully in person, definitely have to start waking up. But if somebody's going to do it, it's number 77, Jeff Carter. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, and once again, too, uh, 24 goals uh, last season for uh, Pearson, just 15 this year. Uh, back in 2014, note, uh, 12 points in 24 games as the Kings went on to win the Cup. So uh, let's hope we can see, uh, once again, just scoring across the board. Moving over to the third line, uh, we have uh, Kempe with Reeder and Lewis. Obviously, Stevens uh, wanting to really go with a, a high-speed, uh, you know, up upscale, aggressive speed line right there, which I like. But something I was kind of looking at, Jeff, and uh, – and maybe you too, Jerry. Uh, I think Lewis, I don't know if Lewis has just lost a step or once again, did he not suffer a leg injury? Because he does not look like he has that boost that he had earlier in the year. Of course, everybody uh, playing injured at this time in the NHL. But uh, that speed of Lewis I was watching in the first two games, that extra, that extra gear, if you will, just not there. Uh, I, I once again I like what Stevens is doing here, and I, ho- I hope I'm wrong, 
But uh, just uh, a little observation, and uh, let me go ahead and throw it to you, Jerry. Did you, uh, you happen to notice a little bit, too, where Lewis uh, does, doesn't quite seem to have that extra jump in the step that uh, we're, we're familiar with him see, using? Uh, definitely. I think he's a good step slow. Uh, you know, I'm, what we normally ex- expect of him. Um, I had thought that, the, and I could be wrong on this, probably am, but I had thought it was an upper body injury that he got when he got hurt. But uh, he definitely seems, well, he he his, definitely seems off somehow. Yeah, he hurt his leg blocking a shot in the last game. Uh, but the original okay. injury that he – because he was out twice this year due to an injury from that big hit. I don't know if the second injury was due to that first one. Um, I just assumed that it was. But it was an upper body injury. Of, it was a legal hit, but when he went twisted into the boards and got hurt earlier in the season. Right. Uh, but he was limping uh, because he blocked a shot. But here's the thing with that. I'm sorry, uh, Jerry, I'm going to give it back to you in a sec. I just want to say about Trevor Lewis, it does seem like he is a half a step slower. He has come back from an injury that, you know, he lost a big part of the season, a lot of games because of it. But he's also the same guy while killing a penalty in double overtime, took a shot to the leg from a block, lost his, like, lost his stick, had no stick. He's hobbling on one leg, and he's still throwing his body in front of shots on one leg yeah. with no stick. Oh, yeah. And that crazy yeah. penalty kill, which the Kings successfully yeah. killed off. That's why Trevor Lewis is out there. That's why I don't like oh, yeah. calling him the unsung hero because we know what he brings. He, he's just a hero, period. And if he might be a step slower – but it's still Trevor Lewis. He's still going to play with his heart on his sleeve. He still has his experience and his leadership, and he's still going to throw his body on one leg. Uh, maybe even Monty Python style. I'm going to be showing my age here, but chop off the other leg. He's still going to be throwing his body in front of shots. And there goes his helmet. There goes his stick. There goes everything because he'll do anything that it takes to win. So he might be a half a step in foot speed, but you know his heart and his hockey intelligence is there 100%. But sorry, Jerry, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm pumped, no, I, Jerry. I I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I, I can tell. I can tell. I, I, you know, you can't possibly question Lewis's heart and his his ethic. I mean, he's a great leader to have on that squad because of them. You know, you can't um, you can't not try to elevate your game to that level if you're going to be a professional hockey player when, when you're seeing someone sacrifice his body like that and do everything that he at least attempts to do during the course of a game, no matter, no matter what the odds are stacked against him. When, you know, no stick, banged up leg. He's still throwing himself around trying to, trying to do the team right. You know, how, how do you look at that and say, okay, I, need, I don't need to step up my game because Trevor's there. I mean, you can't do that. So, um, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, yeah. In, just to pipe in there too, the uh, that shift by by Trevor Lewis, yeah, Jesus, you know, retire his jersey for that shift alone, because that was that was the Trevor Lewis in a nutshell. Like if you had if you had to show a series that encapsulated a player's uh, the way a player's career has gone and and uh, the way that just that, that speaks volumes about the player as a whole. My God, that was it right there because that was. Uh, that was an epic shift and an es- epic uh, testament of courage uh, to what uh, to what Trevor Lewis brings. So yeah, lest lest anybody think I'm dogging the guy, Jesus, hell hell no. 
you know, he's a, a friggin' legend, and uh, that ship definitely uh, definitely shows, uh, you know, shows why. So, all right, uh, and, and you know what? Let me ask. Let's talk about this too before we go and get to the to the uh, fourth line and covering the fourth line. But uh, I, you know, uh, I. It, Tempe looks like a guy that's about to burst, you know. You can say, geez, he's just waiting. There's only, you know, he's one goal away. It's coming. It's due. But we've been saying this for 20 games now. So uh, should we uh, should we go ahead and say that Tempe's an epic bust just in hopes that uh, it'll inspire him to score tonight, being that we've been on his side the last 20 games? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Do we tempt fate? Do we tempt it, hip check? But, yeah, Kempe so far has been uh, – look, look, well, let's look at game two, right? That epic game two that went to double overtime. He only played 18 minutes and nine seconds of a game that went into double overtime, you know. And, of course, uh, playing defense is different than playing as a forward because, you know, the forwards get less time because there's more lines. But, uh, like, Oscar Fattenberg played 41 minutes and 10 seconds. And this, is, this is his NHL playoffs debut, you know. Um, you're looking at uh, – Kopitar, of course, you know, is going to be the top center for the Kings. He was at 38.54, just trying to throw numbers out there. So Kempe at 18.09, that's really, really short. And the fact that he was 44% in the faceoff dot in a game that the Kings actually had an advantage over the Golden Knights in faceoffs, Kings being on top 55%. And that's one area that Kings have been much stronger on than Vegas has, has been in faceoffs. And Kempe's below the 50% mark. Not very good. So it's been a very slow start for Adrian Kempe. He definitely needs to turn it on. Don't know if it's the nerves or the jitters. Don't know if it's, is he 100% or, or he's trying to adapt to the, the speed and pace of an NHL playoff series because it's also his NHL playoff debut in the series, right? Uh, but Kempe definitely does have to turn on the Jets. They need, they need someone of his flashiness and style to, to score as well or to set up shots as well. I mean, he was a minus one in the last game, which isn't saying much of anything. But when it's a close, tight 2-1 or one nothing game, a minus one is – you might as well, you know, blur it out on a megaphone or something because that's loud and clear. So Kempe definitely needs to step it up a little bit. He is on the third line. Vegas is going to be focusing on the top two lines. As, which is normal, right, which is usual. So they need that third line to get in there and to cause some havoc and give Vegas some troubles. And Kempe is dynamic that he can do that. He can play defensively. He can play offensively. But we really got to see him play offense because right now he's pretty much been invisible, in my opinion. I know we're only two games in, but the Kings are down 0-2. He needs to have a big game here. And I think having Tobias Reeder and Lewis on his wings is uh, a better uh, – matchup for him, like a better lineup for him, because let's be honest, Rob Blake, when he traded for Tobias Reeder, it was not for him to be in the top two lines. It was to add speed yeah. in the bottom six, to help add scoring in the bottom six. But Reader was having uh, problems uh, connecting with everyone, so they put him on the second line with who? Of course, Jeff Carter, and all of a sudden he starts playing a lot better and starts scoring some goals. Well, no surprise, he's playing with Jeff Carter. But you've got to add that speed to the, to the bottom six line because, because they need to give Vegas trouble. So Kempe, with the heart and soul of Trevor Lewis, yes, put a statue up. Trevor Lewis is going to be one of those guys that only Kings fans are going to know how great, how, how amazing this guy was, you know. You, you talk to Toronto Maple Leaf fans, you talk to 
uh, Tampa Bay Lightning fans, you talk to Vancouver Canucks fans, you talk to Anaheim Duck fans, they're going to have no idea the worth of what Trevor Lewis truly brings to this team. So you have Lewis, you have Kempe, you add the speed of Reader. Hopefully Reader gets a little bit better with controlling the puck because Carter was giving him some nice passes in game two, and Reader just couldn't control the puck once it got to his stick. So you can't do that. You've been playing hockey long enough. You're playing at a professional level. level you got to control that puck. So I'm hoping with the speed of Reader, the experience of Lewis, and Kempe, it'll come close to breaking free, which I also feel like he's about to do. I hope we're right about that. Uh, hopefully that line can really connect the way that we need him to, and Kempe could, could you know what, start showing the other teams that he's also someone you're going to have to worry about. Yeah, and you know what, when – when we look at that third line too, Jeff, here's here's food for thought. If uh, Kempe once again is at about 44, 45% in the face-off circle in the first period, you just watch that Trevor Lewis will probably be taking every face-off after that moving yeah. forward. I think uh, based on, yes, game two and uh, whatnot, that uh, that's probably part of that, that thought process right there. In the event Kempe's uh, getting beat consistently, they can go ahead and have – uh, they can go ahead and have uh, have Trevor Lewis go ahead and take those face-offs. So, uh, good, good point there. And finally, uh, the fourth line, we got Clifford, Thompson, and Mitchell. Uh, once again, probably the Clifford certainly uh, the best place for him because really on that fourth line now, uh, that line is expected to go ahead and be a physical presence. So uh, for uh, Clifford, anyhow, that's going to be a really, really good fit for, for him. They're on the fourth line letting uh, him un- unleash the beast and uh, try to finish every check uh, with Thompson and Mitchell. Uh, both uh, Mitchell in particular really a, a non-factor. Hasn't really showed me too much other than him being your typical NHL journeyman bottom sixer, you know. So has not really impressed me. Uh, however, Clifford, once again, uh, when you look at the first two games, Jesus, that guy is fun to watch in the playoffs, and that guy knows how to play playoff hockey, does he not? Oh, yeah, definitely. I wish that he could uh, rub a little bit of that stuff off on some of the other players. I love – I just like the fact that really after the whistles and things like that, you know, go slide in front of the goalie, kind of wait for somebody to come up to him, give him a little shove. You know, it's always just that – Letting the other team know you're there. Don't skate by the goal. You go stop right in front of him, stick your tongue out, do anything you can to try to get in his head. And so uh, hats off uh, to, uh, to to Clifford right in there. Once again, perfect, perfect fit for him. And, uh, yeah, I'm all, I'm all jacked up. I don't want to do any predictions or whatnot because we don't want to tempt the hockey gods. But clearly now <laughs> with Muzzin back, this is really going to be uh, – if we can't – Basically, if we can't beat the Vegas with this lineup at that point where we've lost a home game, you know, down 0-3 in the series, really, if we don't win tonight with that lineup, we really don't deserve to be uh, to be in it at all, really, at this point. If we can't beat them with this lineup in a must-win game uh, at home, which hasn't been real kind to the Kings, uh, that said, uh, really, they, you know, you kind of deserve uh, you kind of deserve what they get, so. So there we are. I'm uh, I'm excited though. It's nice to once again just have uh, the full lineup back and see what they can do and uh, and see how this thing plays out. Uh, we do have some uh, finals here from earlier today. Penguins 
getting over the Flyers, five to one. That one now in the book. Uh, Penguins taking a two to one lead uh, there in the series. Uh, getting ready to start here in just about a half hour. Uh, we got the Wild uh, versus the Jets. Jets dominating really every facet uh, of this series. And the first one back in Minnesota. I will say that uh, I do like the Wilds. Uh, you know, I do like the game and that they're finishing every check and scrapping after every whistle. If you're going to get your ass kicked, you better try to put up some type of uh, fight if you want to have any hope in the series. So my hat's off to them. Uh, we also have uh, Blue Jackets in Capitals. Believe it or not, there's only been uh, two games played, or actually one game played. Uh, this is actually only game two in the series. I don't know why the scheduling uh, shook down as it is, but that will only be game two uh, as the Capitals win one in overtime uh, to take a one nothing lead in the series. We talked about it here uh, earlier when we did our preview show that uh, – but the Capitals always a uh, always at risk of being upset, no matter who the team. I actually picked the Caps in this series, but uh, credit to the Capitals. Uh, hey Jeff, would you like to go ahead and get a little uh, prospect update? Oh uh, yeah, sure. Let's do it. All right. Hope you're talking about you. so we, the Ontario Hockey League. They, we might we might just be talking about the Ontario Hockey League as the Kingston Frontenacs rally back from a series deficit, win three straight uh, to advance uh, to the uh, conference finals against the Hamilton Bulldogs. And of note, uh, Mr. Gabriel Velarte, uh, we've talked about him, Velarte is it. I think I'm thinking of you. There's there's Gabriel Velarde and Jeff Duarte. Velarde. But let's go ahead yeah, and Velarde. Gabriel Velarde. He's a cousin of yours, Jeff. I, oh, I wish. <laughs> if that was the fact, <laughs> then he better hook me up with some press passes so I can cover his games. Come on now. Get on it, Gabe. Absolutely. Yeah, come on, cuz. <laughs> Cough it up. Anyhow, uh, 11 games played for Velarde. 20 points now, 11 goals. Wow. Uh, Velarde actually leading the OHL in both goals and points. So once again, doing what he did all regular season. And uh, as we head towards the conference finals against Hamilton, we'll see if he can keep up his pace. And uh, once again, Jeff, is the Toronto media now, or is there starting to be more and more and more spotlight on Velarde? I know that uh, you said it was pretty quiet until the end of the year. And, uh, but now, uh, you know, uh, Toronto, they love their OHL hockey, especially this time of year. Are you starting to read more local things and uh, local coverage for Velarde? Yeah, it's uh, the, the coverage went from pretty much nothing at all to almost like everyone's talking about Gabe Velarde now. And now everyone is uh, uh, speculating what he's going to do next season, whether he'll make the Kings roster or not, or if he'll be playing with the Ontario Reign instead. So it really went from nothing to now you can't get away from hearing about Gabe Velarde. So the, the Canadian media, at least the Southern Ontario media, was a little bit slow to pick up on the, uh, the Gabe Velarde uh, bandwagon train, but they're on it now 100%. Especially when he's been absolutely lights out since he's come back from injury at the midpoint of the season, since Windsor foolishly traded him to Kingston. And uh, especially right now against Hamilton, Hamilton's only about 20 minutes away from where I am in Waterloo, so that means they're also 20 minutes away from Toronto. So it, uh, 
people are going to get a really good look now uh, at Velarde as he takes on the Hamilton Bulldogs because he's going to be nice and close now to that media center of the OHL. So it, I expect everyone to be talking about him even more and even louder than they were. And uh, if everything goes as planned as it should on paper or in theory, which never really does in hockey, that's why we love hockey, anything can happen. But Kingston should steamroll past the Bulldogs and into the OHL final, where in the other bracket or on the other side, the other conference, uh, you have the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds with their goaltender, Matthew Veralta, also a prospect of the Kings against the Owen Sound Attack, who have two prospects of the Kings in Captain Jacob Friend and defenseman Marcus Phillips, who is very similar, has at least similar attributes to Drew Doughty. And then the other bracket is the Kitchener Rangers, which is actually my local team. Uh, they're, they're on top of their Series 3-2 as well. So there's a lot of Kings uh, things going on here in the Ontario Hockey League. But yeah, on top of that, in the news, it's Gabe Velarde all the way, especially 20 points in the 11 games, 11 goals in 11 games. That is just phenomenal. Indeed, indeed. We'll keep our eye on him. And, uh, you know, we did talk about it where uh, Warren Reichel, who was uh, the uh, guy who traded Velarde, traded him not in the fact that uh, he thought he was a bad player or a cancer or anything like that. He traded him solely for the fact that he thought there was no way in hell he would be playing in the juniors next season. And, uh, Give credit where credit is due, Jeff. It looks like Reichel was spot on with his analysis because uh, by all intents and purposes, with his size and the numbers he's putting up right now, I think the LA Kings would be more than happy to put him on his roster. And hell, if they could have... uh, they could put him on the roster now, I'm sure that there would be a lot of thought whether or not they could, they could do <laughs> oh, that yeah. right when him up for tonight if it was an option. For sure, absolutely. But yeah, even if I, you know, I get I get what Reichel was thinking. But what are the first three letters, uh, uh, you know, in the word assume, right? So, you know, you can't just you can't just assume that this guy is going to be just going straight to the NHL. If you have him on your team and you guys are the defending champions, the defending Memorial Cup champions, the defending OHL champions, then it's like. Um, yeah, you hold on to him until he actually does play at the next level because he is still playing at the junior level this year. All Warren Reichel did, and by the way, Windsor was in the first round, four games to two. The defending champions lost to the Sarnia Sting. Uh, Windsor fans, Windsor, I know a couple of guys who cover Windsor. Um, they got full press credentials and everything when it comes to the, uh, to the Spitfires. They were not happy at the trade. They knew this was going to happen without Velarde on the team. They knew that Windsor, even though they are the championship team, even though they don't have all the players back from last year, of course, some of them have moved on, but they still have the championship core. Uh, without Velarde being the key top player, they were going to crumble, and that's exactly what happened. So Reichel was correct in that, in that probably, you know, Velarde will make the NHL by next season. If not, then obviously he's going to be in the AHL for sure. But he still had him, and he just gave this great Christmas gift to the Kingston Frontenacs, who all of a sudden now are contenders to win the Memorial Cup just based on that trade. So, Reichel, uh, you can never assume, buddy. I can see where your thought process was, but it was way too early to do that, and Windsor definitely suffered because of it. Indeed, indeed. And just to give you a little bit of update on the AHL, Ontario Reign have – have clinched a spot uh, in the playoffs round one, round one starting uh, starting Thursday. 
Uh, first couple games are going to be there. Going to be playing Texas, so the Texas Stars, of course, the Dallas affiliate. You don't need to uh, be a uh, hockey genius to figure out that one there. <laughs> but uh, they are going to be playing Thursday in Texas. Uh, Thursday, Friday in Texas. Uh, after that, the uh, series is going to come back to Ontario. So uh, Sunday and Tuesday. And uh, ironically enough, actually, I don't know how, how that shakes out, but it looks like uh, the uh, last game then will be at the end of the month. Not that uh, we are caring too much about that, but just note that Ontario has made the, the playoffs. And uh, barring on how long the Kings, ho- hopefully Amadio uh, will never see another game with the rain uh, this season, being that that would mean the Kings are uh, moving forward in our own NHL playoffs. Their loss, our gain, and I'd rather see uh, – him on the roster for our L.A. Kings, just as that would mean that our beloved Kings are still in the playoffs. So there we go with that. So, All right, right boys. Well, but, uh, like I say, we uh, covered uh, everything that we needed to cover, and uh, we've uh, once again determined that Fantenberg and uh, Martinez is a good pairing. Uh, we have determined once again that Jonathan Quick is one of the best goalies uh, ever to play the game and certainly the best Kings goalie ever. Uh, Once again, so sad to see his performance in Game 2 go for naught, but what a a godlike performance he put on there. Once again, him and Trevor Lewis. Uh, If we had to give up three stars, those would be the guys that that we would be getting it. Hey, Jeff, if you had to choose, uh, who would have been star number three for the L.A. Kings? Would you have given it to... uh, Ledoux simply for scoring the one goal that the Kings have scored in this playoff series, or was there somebody else you thought uh, would have warranted a star selection for game two had we been able to do a radio show? It would be the guy that I remember uh, texting you about while game two was going on. It's a guy I also brought up at the, at the start of the show, and that's uh, defenseman Oscar Fattenberg. Who, 41 minutes, 10 seconds, 8 hits. He was just to me, he stood out uh, with, with the Kings' defense. With Dowdy missing, he really stood out. He was causing major problems for the offense of the Vegas Golden Knights. He was stripping them pucks. He was creating turnovers. He was blocking shots. He was putting out the hits. He was so solid. And, of course, he is a veteran. He's just not a veteran at the NHL level. He played for many years in the Swedish League. Uh, but his experience showed and his calmness showed. And I'm pretty sure that his calmness was a factor for the younger guys that were playing, guys like Ledoux, guys like Ravel, who don't have that, you know, that uh, top-level experience, uh, which Fatberg doesn't have either at the NHL level, but he does have championship hockey experience at a, at a high level. And it really showed in this game how good this guy from Sweden really, really is. Unless it wasn't him, unless it was Drew Doughty in disguise. Because the Kings are from Hollywood, so is it far-fetched to think that maybe they created some Mission Impossible mask for Doughty to wear so he can play? Because that's how fantastic Fatberg was. But uh, anyways, I would give it to Oscar Hip. All right, fair enough. And he does have uh, the league's greatest hair, does he not? Well, between him and Kempe, for sure. They would have to arm wrestle for that one, yeah. Yeah, you know, what What I wouldn't give to be Fantenberg and Kempe's wingman uh, doing a night on the town out in Redondo Beach and Manhattan <laughs> Beach going down the bars down there. I think, uh, Don't you feel bad for those guys, Jeff, being a young, good-looking uh, NHL player uh, in uh, probably one of the most beautiful places on the planet uh, known for beautiful women? That's got to be rough for those two guys, right? 
I would say no. <laughs> they are living the dream, Hip. They are living the dream. Indeed. Indeed. As I'm stuck in like this ice say, storm, have... they are living the dream. Yeah, that's right. Both of those guys, they could melt the ice there in their area. You should just skip them over there, have them walk through the neighborhood. The ice will melt instantly. <laughs> Maybe. Sure. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, uh, once again, because uh, we're just all anticipating the game, and uh, I'm going to fire up the barbecue here, maybe take a little swim, uh, maybe, Joe, go in the jacuzzi, uh, maybe even have to take my shirt off if I get a little bit overheated, uh, so I have a little time here before the game and uh, to enjoy the Southern California weather. Hey, uh, Jerry, you haven't given us an Ohio weather report. Why don't you go ahead and throw that our way, brother? Well, I'm not doing the great white north thing like Jeff's been doing the last couple of days, but um, as as I think the L.A. weathercasters would call it, because they send them out into any little bit of precipitation to report from on scene, we've got a very cold, relentless drizzle here. And it's been going on for about a day and a half. So it's, it's pretty okay. depressing. It's pretty cold and clammy. But uh, go Kings, go. There you go, indeed. All right, Jerry. Well, uh, thank you so much, buddy. We always appreciate your support, and uh, hopefully we can do another uh, Road Talk Radio episode for uh, for Game 5. Uh, when is Game 5 going to be? I know there's today's game, Tuesday's game. Game 5 Thursday? Thursday? Is that uh, where it falls on the schedule, Jeff? That's what I thought. Sorry. Yeah, it should be every other day, Hip. It should be Thursday. Tuesday and then Thursday. Okay. Yep, indeed. So once again, knock on wood that uh, come Thursday we will be back to do more episodes of uh, L.A. Kings Road Talk Radio because, once again, that means our beloved Kings are still in it. So, all right. Hey, uh, Jerry, best of luck to you. You have a great night. Okay, brother? All right. You too. Thanks, Jerry. All right. And uh, that'll leave us with uh, just me and you. Hi, this is Alex Alex Bell, voice of the L.A. Kings. You're listening to L.A. Kings Road Talk Radio. Why, thank you, Mr. Alex Faust. You are doing a wonderful, wonderful job uh, with play-by-play. Hey, you know what? I kind of feel bad that we dumped Jerry, but... uh, Jeff, you know who I who I really enjoy, who I think is probably doing the best work of his career? Call me a homer, but Jim Fox is doing an amazing call, doing all the games and breaking down the plays. He's not a complete homer. Uh, he's he is so fair. If he makes a mistake, he come back comes back and talks to it. And uh, is it just me, or is he is his is he, is he getting clearly better with age? I think he is one of the best uh, commentators out there in hockey uh, for the reason, the fact that he is very fair. I mean, we're talking about a guy who, who his entire career has been linked with the Los Angeles Kings, right? As a player, as a 30 goal scorer, and then having to end his career uh, before, you know, he wanted to do the injuries and then getting into commentated and then teaming up with Bob Miller for all the years that he did. Uh, Jim Fox really is not a homer. When I think of a homer commentator, I think of, of course, Brian Hayward, the three-time Jennings Trophy winner, you know, riding the coattails of, I don't know, some goalie called Patrick Raw, you know, uh, doing the games for the Anaheim Ducks, uh, Ducks broadcasts. That's a guy who just, you know, 
lives and breathes, and, and it's almost like propaganda, everything Anaheim Ducks. But you look at Jim Fox, if there's a mistake, he's going to admit it. If he makes a mistake, he's going to admit it. If he makes a mistake on Twitter, he's going to admit it. You know, He's very honest. What you see is what you get. And I've, I've been fortunate enough to, uh, to, to talk to Jim Fox a couple of times, interview him for Cali Sports News, and what you see is exactly what you get. He's just going to be honest. He's going to tell you, what he honestly thinks based on the on what he saw in the play and that's why I give him so much respect and when my fan and when my friends come my fans yeah when my fans come over when my friends come over who aren't Kings fans and you know I have the Kings game on playing in the background and of course you know it would have uh, Jim Fox doing the commentary whether with Bob Miller or with Alex Faust you know they were always impressed but about how uh, just articulate, but also how fair uh, Fox as well as Bob Miller would call the games. There's no hype. There's no catchphrases. There's no gimmicks. They're just calling the game the way the game is being played. So they were giving them props because they weren't used to that. and They didn't expect that. So, yeah, I think Jim Fox is one of the best in the business for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And once again, you, you said it too, even on Twitter, like – he addresses he addresses douchebags that he clearly would not have to address where anybody would rightfully say fox foxy why even bother you know replying to this fool but he does he takes the time and uh and does it when he doesn't have to so really my uh my hats to him uh altogether and finally before we go ahead and uh, sign this off how about uh, congratulations to my youngest son started his uh, spring hockey league and uh, his team opens oh, right up on. the uh, season with a 7-4 seven, seven to four win and hit junior pots two goals, uh, both nice. breakaways and both deking the goalie and scoring on the backhand. And uh, when we're done here, Jeff, I will go ahead. I will send you the video clip. You will be proud. Yep. Please do that. Hip, congrats. Uh, Hip Junior, congrats. What a wonderful debut. Uh, I'm already nicknaming him uh, Velarde. <laughs> there you go. All right. All right, Jeff. Well, you have a great night, buddy. Always enjoy talking to you. And once again, knock on wood that we will be doing another uh, L.A. Road talk radio show after uh, the next road game because that will mean that the Kings have once again won enough games to advance to a game five and uh, you have a great night stay warm all right my friend all right thanks hip always an honor and a pleasure and uh you know what the kings are they're not out of it yet so game three it's going to be a battle and if you can excuse me sir i'm going to get ready to prepare for battle and go back to my superstitious routine of pacing back and forth and screaming at the television go kings go everyone (laughs) all right there we go Cali Sports NHL Director, Mr. Jeff Duarte, uh, about as passionate Kings fan as you are ever going to find. And uh, this is going to go ahead. We're going to wrap it up right now. Looking forward to the Kings game tonight. Winnipeg Jets starting here in about 15 minutes. And uh, once again, for uh, LA Kings Road Talk Radio, this is Scott Cahill, a.k.a. The Hip Check, saying so long, everybody. And as we always do each and every episode, and then this up with a little coked up Elvis. Good night, everybody. Hey, woman, don't you treat me wrong. I'm in love with my Laura. Hey, hey. I don't know what I'll say. I don't know what I'll say. When you see me in misery, come on, baby, find me all right. Hey, hey. I don't know what I'll say.
fantastic. Thank you. You're a beautiful audience, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. <laughs>